so good. You are so good. Have a seat. Have a seat for just a moment. I uh, just, I love, I love that song because it's just talking about the name of God, the name of Jesus. Powerful. The name is beautiful. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our generosity. Now, in my family, I'm, I'm known as the dad. So, you know, uh, my name is the dad. A lot of times the kids even say, oh, he's being the dad, right? And, uh, and now sometimes my name gets wrongly equated with the cheapskate is, is what um, it gets called. And, and uh, I, now I forgive my family for they know not what they say. Uh, I like to tend to think of myself, my name is like Frugal Steward. Right? The don't mess with my discount clearance rack bar- bargain hunter, right, is what I think that I am. But whatever my tight-fistedness, right, is called in the family, my prayer has always been that each of us in our family, especially our kids, would grow and learn to be generous to our God and to his good work and his good purposes in our world. And so you can imagine my joy when my oldest boy, whose, whose story you're going to get to hear later this morning, uh, fresh into the military's med school, and he's been receiving some of his first paychecks ever, if you can imagine how happy I was when he texts me a few days ago and he says, hey, Dad, they're going to have me hopping around the next couple of years, so is there a way I can set up automatic tithing to legacy? Uh huh. That's right. And I, of course, I said yes. Right? Oh, let me even help you with that, son. Right? It just made me so happy. But my joy was not because of you know for the extra funds for our church. Really, it was because my kid was choosing to be generous to God and His work, and that that warms a father's heart. And I want you to think that way. When you are making, let's say, a, a commitment to set up your tithing to your, to your church, sometimes that's a new thing for people. And, and, uh, or when you sacrifice, right, a little extra to give offerings above your tithe to his work. Or when you find other ways to be generous to those around you in the name of Jesus, right, you bring that same kind of joy to your heavenly Father's heart. Not because of some amount, right? But because of the love, the faithfulness, the goodwill, generosity that is bubbling up inside of his kid. And that just makes God smile. And so as we start our new years, you know, financially even, you know, or as we give of our offerings today, or may we always give whenever we give, like the Bible says, cheerfully, that we give with hearts that sense the smile of God, right? The warmth that the father feels when his kids just cheerfully practice generosity. So let me pray for our offering. God, thank you so much for giving your life so generously that we might gain the greatest riches of eternal life and more. So as we give now, may we give from the most grateful hearts and knowing your smile on, on your children when we choose to be generous to you and to your work in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, you guys, I'm just going to go straight into the, uh, the message, and, uh, um, and uh, it's just good to be with you. Last Sunday was, um, was really so special as we continued our series on the Lord's Prayer. We started a season of 21 days of fasting and prayer, and uh, you got to hear my boy Noah uh, and, and his story, even hear his heart uh, for the Lord and how to pray. And uh, we've been talking about praying, which is basically talking with God. And we've been talking about this thing called fasting as well, which is laying aside the need for eating just to express our devotion to God in prayer. It's like saying, I need you more than I need anything else. And we were reminded that in today's world, when we have actually manufactured far more needs than just the need for eating, fasting can often be, be uh, laying aside anything, in fact, that competes with our need for God and replacing it with prayer, right? We talked about the importance of 21-day fasts in the Bible, plus now we're, we, we now know that it's how we're wired to build a habit. And that's why I'm really, really stoked for, for next Sunday, January 26th, because after church, we're going to offer a journal-making time with our our art teacher turned Pastor Ken, right, where he's going to show us how to make our own larger prayer journals for the entire year to kind of keep up the habit. So to do that requires, you know, some, some uh, uh, materials. And so we'll need for you when you're when you get done here, make sure to sign up for that. Just let us know that you're going to be there um, for that, and that way we can have the right amount of materials. Uh, but that's next Sunday after uh, after this service. Um, but uh, and, and it's been really cool. Now I've been hearing from uh, um, from uh, some of you that this praying and this fasting for 21 days straight has been a really good challenge spiritually for you. Um, and even physically, a good challenge for you. Um, it's I've heard from a lot of you that it's actually a new experience um, for you. For some of you, it is a sweet reminder of other times when you've uh, when you have gone to the Lord in fasting and prayer, and um, it's been a uniting and a bonding time uh, for lots of families too, where the kids and the parents are doing that together. I've already been hearing stories of how God is blessing and revealing Himself through even a first week in this extra bit of devotion to him. And so just remember that he loves you. Um, and for that reason, he just, he's not in this to stress, you know, for you to get stressed over the logistics. If you didn't get started, you know, in fasting and prayer last Sunday, feel free to start today. In fact, the journal is kind of made, so you can just start on day one. Or you can start today on day whatever this is, eight. Eight, yeah. And uh, um, um, or, or also, if you failed, you know, and in fasting, you'll just find yourself doing that, right? If you failed at places along this way, in fasting or in praying, right? Um, uh, first of all, welcome to the club. Pastor did, pastor did too, so you know what? But second of all, when that happens, don't count yourself out. Don't get on the despair machine, you know. But, but you just get back up and you just get back in there. Right. That's that's he loves that you're trying to express your devotion to him. Right. Trying to spend more time talking to him. He doesn't judge your praying or judge your fasting, doesn't nitpick it. He cherishes it. In fact, like we've been learning in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 is just this outline that Jesus gave us so that it would be easier for us to know 
how you should pray. So when he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he's just saying, in your prayers, make sure to take time to praise God. When he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's just saying, make sure to pray for you and for others to follow God's lead by trusting Christ and doing his will in life. When he says, give us today our daily bread, he's just saying, ask God to supply what you need in life. And when he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, he's just saying, be humble and compassionate. Ask your father to forgive your sins and your mess-ups and pray for the help that you're going to need to forgive others who have hurt you. And when he says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, he is just saying, hey, ask God to protect you from any dangers inside you or outside. Our first Sunday, we looked at uh, praising God in our prayers, right? That first part. We adorned the, the, the cross with our praises at the foot of the cross, and that was so powerful. Then last Sunday, as Noah and I focused on what it looks like to pray God's kingship come into every life, and God's will be done, uh, be followed in every life on earth like it is in heaven, that's the evangelistic part of our prayers, right? And for that reason, I included in your bulletins today is the mission brochure. Why? So that you can now take it out of your bulletin and stick it in where? Your journal. Why? Because so that in your times of prayer... When you pray, pray for all of our mission and missionaries and by name. Because there's some of the people that are out on the front lines spiritually, right? In hostile areas, telling others about Christ. And so they rely on our support, but also just the support of our prayers. So it's going to be powerful for you to pray them up by name to God. All right, so now, now today is our third Sunday of the series and our second Sunday of the fast. And I want us to focus on the third element of our Lord's Prayer outline. And that is, which, you know, uh, give us today our daily bread. Or, Father, please supply what we need right now. See, the word give is dos, which is the imperative of didomai, which is exactly the feeling that it connotes, right? God, it is imperative that you give, you offer, that you put into place, that you provide, that you supply this for me. It is imperative. If you don't come through, right? This is not a sheepish ask. This is a confident request to a sure source. And what are you imperatively requesting from him? Semeron means uh, today. But generally, it means the season of now. What's going on in your life right now is important to God. He wants to hear about it. Because the word for daily means what's going to be necessary or sufficient for the coming day. It's not greedy 
overkill. It is honestly what you think it's going to take for God to come through for you right now, whatever way that you need for him to. Not just physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You know, all, all different kind of ways. Because while uh, artan is the proper word for bread or food, figuratively, it really it refers to um, divine provision. Any or all sustenance that God has on supply for any bit of our needs. So how this can really kind of read is, Father, it is absolutely imperative that you intervene and supply exactly what I need right now in my life. Right? Or, or when we're praying for others. Father, it is absolutely imperative that you intervene and supply exactly what we need right now in our lives. Right? So this is, this is not some cute little sheepish little wishful suggestion or maybe if might you could, uh, maybe, you know. It's what I call the power of the ask. See, there's power in asking God for the help that you are going to need. When we began this series, I told you that becoming a father was a world changer for my faith and also for my perspective of praying. Then last week, I told you our boy Noah's story. Uh, this week, it felt right to uh, tell you about uh, our oldest Zach's uh, story um, because the boy knows the power of the ask. See, Zach was uh, our firstborn. They're so cute when they're firstborn, right? But like lots of little ones, he started this thing called talking and thinking and asking. And he would not stop. Oh, my goodness, he was relentless. He wanted to know everything about life. He wanted to experience everything in life. And so if he was thinking it, he was asking it. And sometimes I would tell the kid, I'd be like, look, I will assent to whatever you are proposing if you will just stop proposing it. Because you, kid, are wearing me out and wearing me down. But really, when I think back, it wasn't a bad thing. Now, when I look at his life, it was because of his constant persisting and asking that he varsityed in three sports even though he wasn't very good in any of them at the time, right? But he was like, I'm going to stick it out. He started school clubs, you know. Uh, he, we, we even made the move from Portland to Florida in part because he kept asking, I want to be a Gator. 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 And there's a difference between 30,000 out of state, you know, and, and 5,000 in state. And I'm like, okay, all right, you got me. Um, and, but even on breaks, on breaks, he was always insistent on going somewhere, experiencing something new. Whether it was making me take him to climb a mountain, right? He kept, I was like, dude, we don't have enough time. He kept asking and asking and asking. I had to take him up, right? Um, or, or flying into a remote Mexican village to help in their clinic or, or work with malaria patients in Uganda or with the herding in Peru. If he wanted it, he asked whoever he could, however he could, to make it happened. He pleaded his way into working as an equipment manager for the Gators to the point that they paid him to stay an extra year 
because they had come to need him so bad. He asked his way into leading worship on his campus and teaching second graders the Bible in one of our church plants in Gainesville. As much as his career counselor that we paid even said he probably would not last in medicine, he loves it, he wants it, he graduated with honors in it, he's in med school now with the military because he had also always wanted to serve his country too. Go to Sweden with a friend? Take his sister to go travel around the UK? Sure, let's ask until it happens, right? He never swam or biked a mile, but he feels the need to sign up for an Ironman that takes like $1,000 to get registered, right? But he keeps on asking and asking and wears us down all the way in Santa Rosa. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, you know, and, 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 uh, and uh, the ask is made so many times. Dad even ends up going with him to be his professional photographer, following him around. Then Maryland Ironman, and he, now he's scheduled for New Zealand Ironman. He's like going to go and visit New Zealand, but he's like, but while I'm there, I'll also do an Ironman. You know, I'm like, oh my goodness. He's only recently started making money. So he has done a lot of life on simply the power of the ask. <laughs> in fact, if you ask uh, Renee, uh, Noah, Noah's not in here right now, is he? Yeah, okay. I mean, did you not wake him up? <laughs> um, but uh, ask Noah, ask Grace, ask any of our kids, ask Renee, ask me. You know, we love all of our kids the same. But ask this honest question. As far as actual resources doled out, which one of the kids did we spend the most resources on over the years? And there will be no hesitation in the answer. It was Zach. He just asked for a lot. The other kids don't resent it. It's not that it's even unfair. All of our kids get most everything that they want enough to ask for. He just got more because he, because he received even just a fraction of the tons of stuff that he thought in his mind to actually ask for. And honestly, that's kind of how it is with God as our Father. Well, he's not a genie that you're somehow entitled to or that you can bend to your will. Neither is he an unmoved, preset, sovereign machine that is unable to do or give something that he would not have otherwise done or given, but he does it and gives it just because he was asked. I mean, this is, it totally messes with my concept of sovereignty. Somehow, God is in total control, and yet the asks of his kids can affect real change in direction. This is mind-blowing. Can't ever figure it out, but that is the power of the ask. And that's not just some philosophy of mine. It's Jesus' teachings. Check out Luke 18. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He says, in a town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people even thought of him. And, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the big ask, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, 
But finally, he said to himself, man, even though I don't even fear God or care what people think, because this widow just keeps bugging me and bugging me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and take me down. Right? He's saying even this natural world knows the power of the ask. They'll sometimes call it the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? But it's the power of the ask. Because the Lord goes on to say, listen, if that's what the unjust judge says, will not God, the just judge, bring about justice for his kids who cry out to him day and night asking for his help? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see, see that they get justice and get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find the faith to ask here on the earth? See, what's behind the power of the ask is the power of faith. When I ask God for something, what he hears is this. I have faith in you, Lord. I have faith that you and only you can supply what I need right now. And God loves faith. So ask, ask, ask. He loves it. Or flip back a few chapters to Luke 11. As he's teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, how to pray, he dives even more into this power of the ask. In verse 5, he says, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, right? Lend me three loaves of bread. There's another friend of mine on a journey. Come to me. I have no food in my house to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. It's midnight. You are no friend of mine anymore. You're coming to me at midnight. The door's already locked. We are all in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Are you crazy? But I tell you, Jesus says, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity and your persistent asking, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Y'all, Jesus just told us it's okay to bug God. That's kind of what he just said. He just said, it is your job to be God's kid tug on his sleeve, right? Daddy, 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 daddy. I need, I need, I need. But think about it. Ask any dad whose kids have grown and don't need them anymore. They miss being needed. Jesus is saying God is your father and he wants you to bug him, loves for you to need him, welcomes you to ask him. It's the power of the ask. In fact, it's why he goes on, right? See the next verses? So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now all of those verbs are, are, are the present imperative active. So it's like it's ongoing, right? Which only illustrates the power of the ask all the more. He's saying for everyone who asks and keeps on asking and keeps on asking and keeps on asking, <laughs> inevitably receives. The one who seeks and keeps on seeking and keeps on seeking and keeps on seeking is going to find. And the one who knocks and keeps on knocking and keeps on knocking and keeps on knocking, don't you know the door will eventually be opened? 
My friends, it's the power of the ask. From God's perspective, it's common sense. He is your dad. You are his kid. Kids ask their dads for what they need. And dads usually find ways then to supply what their kids need. Even get a joy of supplying things that they might even want too. It's kind of it's a little bit of even how us evil you know, human dads even do it, right? It's kind of how we're wired. It's what Jesus says next, right? Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would actually really give him a snake so it would bite him instead, right? Or if he asked for an egg, you're going to give him a, you're going to go out to all the trouble, find him a scorpion to sting him. No dad does that unless they're demented. No, us dads look usually for ways to provide what our kids need. And Jesus says, look, if you dads, then, though you are evil by your own fallen human nature, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, come on, how much more will your good heavenly father give his best, even his very spirit, to those who ask him? Are you getting the secret of the power of the ask? Us parents actually like being asked. We like being needed. We want to come through. And the kid who can wield this humbly and respectfully discovers one of the greatest win-wins ever in life, that we bless God by our asking, and we are more likely to be blessed with answers and provisions by God because of our asking. Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, sometimes not yet. But the possibility of a yes is significantly higher with an ask than it ever will be without one. And even the no's and the not yet's you will often discover are there for your good too and for your protection. He knows the bigger picture. Another benefit to being an asker is that it plants a greater empathy and desire inside of you to help see the needs of others around you and, and see them get met as well, especially those who ask. Not, not necessarily in a greedy ask or with an entitled attitude, you know, or as a scheme or a scam, but genuine asks, genuine needs that you can realistically, realistically help meet. God's word says it like this in 2 Corinthians 9, that when you rely on your father God, who is the supplier of all things, he will supply and increase what you need to the point that you will be enriched in every way. And why will he enrich you? Just because you're so darn blessable? No. So that you can be generous on every occasion, meeting needs in the lives of others in his family. And it says through God's people rallying that kind of generosity together, the result, the end result will uh, be thanksgiving to God in the lives of others. That's how it works. In fact, I discovered that over the past year, people of legacy gave like $8,000 more uh, and more of their own money beyond their tithes, you know, 
uh, and just kind of put him in those generosity bucket and just different ways and finding different needs and seeing different needs. And, and it's probably well over that amount. But the, this is even just what they were able to account for to help with, uh, um, you know, auto repairs or, or medical bills that, that, that came up for, for someone or funeral expenses or, or rent or vehicles uh, for those in their church family who found themselves in a season of need. That kind of generosity is right, and it's good, and it brings joy to the giver. And the more that you are asking, the more that you are, you're like, I want to also flow into giving as well. And so you just find that to be the case. Because more so, it not only gives joy to you when you give, but it ripples out into feelings and expressions of gratitude to God in, in the lives of those whose needs have actually been met um, that you got to help with. And one of those people really wanted to say uh, those words of thanksgiving out loud. And I would love for you to hear uh, from her uh, in her most desperate hour when she was alone and she was scared. She reached out to ask God for help. And he guided her to our church family. And the faith and the fellowship here was an answer and really in a big way the answer to her prayers. But little did she know how God would provide even more than she ever asked for or imagined. I'll I'll let her tell the rest of the story. Everybody, would you welcome Melissa Valdez? Come on up here, Melissa. I'm not a professional at this. Um, I wrote it down because I'm ADD. (laughs) All right. um, So my name is Melissa, and some of you know me, and some of you don't. And the reason why I'm here today is because I wanted to express my gratitude for this amazing church and this body of Christ. Um, When I first came to Legacy, I was fleeing violence. I moved to Lakeland in August with my children and had no support of any kind. I had no family or friends. And I felt in my heart that God led me here, and I just followed his his guidance. I was searching for a church where I can just bring my children to be encouraged, to come closer to Christ, and I longed for fellowship and prayer, and that was pretty much it. My first visit here, I was actually homeless for a few months after fleeing my violent past, and I asked for prayer, and Tom and Fran immediately cradled me in their arms, and they prayed with me with such intensity I've never felt that before, never. And a couple of weeks later, we were able to get settled into a home, and although I was grateful, I was overwhelmed um, because I had the reality set in that I had left every material thing that I had ever worked for behind. I had nothing. I couldn't offer my children anything without even asking Tom and Fran, Marianne, all the ladies in the morning ministry group, Lydia, Ken, Steve, Dottie, Connie, Kat, Jennifer, Joan, oh my gosh, I can literally name every single name in this church. Um, They reached out and they poured in with furniture, a new washer and dryer, beds, food, basic necessities. They helped with find job opportunities. Um, This has been incredibly overwhelming. Um, I never asked for anything. I just asked for prayer. 
and never in a million years did I think I'd be blessed like this. I then recently simply asked Marianne for prayer over my car troubles and um, <laughs> didn't expect this either. Um, the next day she called me and she said, you know, the church is raising money to buy you a car. <laughs> was <laughs> still shocked um i then um tim paul came came up to me and said you know we got you the car here it is um tim jacobs is going to do the repairs for this car it's surreal i can't even believe i'm saying this <laughs> and no one's ever done this for me ever i mean i've always been abandoned until now i'm an orphan and suddenly i have like a family that i belong to <laughs> It's the best feeling in the world. This church is like the church of the book of Acts, you know? Um, this church ain't cold and it ain't lukewarm. It's definitely on fire for Jesus. So uh, thank you. And <laughs> this, this church really does pose as, as the, the hands and feet of Jesus. So I, it's beautiful. And, and through this healing process, I've sat in rooms um, with, with other people, and I shared my testimony, and, you know, I open my eyes, and I see people weeping with me, and praying, and encouraging me, and my children are learning, growing in the, in the Lord, and it's such a blessing as well, and I can't even begin to repay anyone enough. Um, I'm still in the valley, but I'm praying every day that I can give back generously and abundantly one day, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I also, you know, this reminds me of Proverbs um, chapter 19, verse 17, where it says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. All glory be to God. Thank you, guys. And I want to say a quick prayer, if you don't mind. I just want to, I want to ask, you know, dear Lord Jesus, please bless this church, Lord. Increase this church in every area of their lives, every single person in this church, Lord. You know, protect them keep them healthy, bless them abundantly this year, this year 2020 and the years to come. Father, just protect them and bless them in every area of their lives. Give them the desires of their heart, Lord. Bless this, um, this awesome pastor, Lord. Help lead the flock. I mean, he's doing a great job right now, so I just pray, you know, that it keeps going that way and that, you know, he's blessed, his family is blessed. Um, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, love that. Love that. Way to go, church. Man. One of my favorite um, uh, things about Melissa's story is uh, that she doesn't see as much as that though she has been on the receiving end here, she's also been on the giving end as well. Attending, encouraging, you know, giving in different ways, all that stuff. But man, we needed photos and um, and and bad, and it was Christmas Eve. She had this hidden talent. She showed up on Christmas Eve, and I don't know if you've seen those pictures online from Christmas Eve, but they were like gorgeous. And to a church, that pictures are like money, you know. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and so, friends, that is the best life, right? When you are humble and reliant enough to ask God to supply your needs, and you are blessed and empathetic enough to be used to meet some needs in the lives of others too, where you're giving and you're receiving. You're asking for help and you're providing help. That's that healthy balance and that healthy flow in life. 
So let's be askers, right, uh, of the Lord and of each other and just to take care of one another. May his word in Philippians 4, I love this one, be our call to action in prayer, right? Brothers and sisters, do not be anxious about anything. And there's plenty to be anxious about in life, right? Because in any situation, in every anxious situation, uh, 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 you, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving already, present your requests to God. And poof, that anxiety is no longer an anxiety. Why? Because you just turned it into something else other than an anxiety. You just turned it into a prayer for God's help. And a prayer for God's help is no longer an anxiety. That's the power of the ask. It will take what is an anxiety, it will turn it into a prayer. Because when you do, it says the peace of God will transcend. It transcends all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. He is the one with all authority in heaven and on earth, which just means that he is the answer for literally everything you or anyone you know, anything will ever be needed. He said in John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and asks will never go without, for my body is real food and my blood is real drink. My friends, our greatest daily bread is Christ Jesus. Our greatest need was satisfied in his death for our sins. Our greatest need was met at the cross and what he did there for us. And that's why today I want to take some extra time for communion with the Lord. The next 10 minutes really is going to be time to spend focused on him and on what he did. We will have music playing, songs about him being sung, but I'm not going to, like normal, require us to stand and all unite our voices together. In some ways, some of this music and these songs will actually kind of be background to what we're really doing. And that is just having some time to spend with him. During this time, you can sit and meditate on him for as long as you would like. Or you can bow your head where you're at and pray for as long as you would like. At any point during this, you can stand and join in proclaiming his praises whenever you want. If you want to kneel at the cross and thank him for what he's done, do it. This is your time to just spend with him. And during these next couple songs, these next 10 minutes, when you feel the time is right, you can go and partake of the bread and of the juice by going to any of the communion stations here in the front corners or there in the back corners. We have plenty of time. So we don't need to all go at the same time when it first starts. If walking is a challenge, just raise your hand. Somebody will bring communion to you. And when you go to the communion tables... Maybe it's on. A, maybe this is a day when you want to take the bread and the juice by yourself, or maybe it's a day when you want to take that together with your spouse. 
Maybe you want to take it as a family of believing parents and believing kids together. Maybe you want to take the elements at the station. Or maybe you want to take it back to the cross and spend some time there. Or maybe you want to take it back at your seat. But I just want us to have the free time and the freedom to just commune with God a little longer than normal today. You see, the main things that you were invited to do, and you're invited to do every time that communion happens, found in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it in pieces, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this, remembering me. Jesus took the cup, saying, this is my, the, the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And it goes on to encourage everyone, examine yourselves before you eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So what are we doing during these times that we call communion? It says it right there. We are examining our own selves. Do I believe in Jesus? Have I received his forgiveness? Have I received his spirit? Do I love him? Do I submit myself to him as my Lord? If I do, then I eat the bread. I drink the cup. And as I do, I'm remembering that his body was sacrificed for me. His blood was shed to forgive my sins. And this time of communion also becomes a way that I can proclaim his death on the cross is of the utmost importance to me. It is what I am most thankful for. It's the crux of all that matters. It's the thing of God that is most worthy of my praise. And that's why some of your communion time here, even in the next 10 minutes in these next three songs, can be an examination of your faith. Some of that time is just remembering the cross of Christ. Some of it can be prayers of thanksgiving for what God did there on the cross. Some of it can be praise out loud for the greatest gift ever given. Really, communion can be a time for all of that. And so would you pray with me for this time? Lord, these next 10 minutes are for you. These next songs are for you. Right now, it's not about the band. It's not about the speaker. Right now, it's about you. Just thoughts and prayers and songs, and time to commune with you. Time to examine our faith in your son, to remember his body and his blood, to give thanks for the cross, to eat the bread and drink the juice, to proclaim your praise for what your sacrifice, the greatest gift ever, has done, and the daily bread of life that you are to us. We so deeply need you. And so we give this time to you, for you, to be with you, to commune with you.
in Jesus' name. Amen.